1: Welcome to an episode of Uncanny Trek, where we cover Star Trek Picard and Copenhagen Cowboy. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt?
0: Doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, I gotta say, Picard is keeping that steam going. It's us keep it moving. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Five episodes in, and it doesn't suck yet. I mean,
1: it, it could start at any time. Just brace yourself. Any time it could start. Yeah, it's a record, Bob. It's a record at this point. Excited for it. Mm, well, mm, I I don't know, because I feel like season one and season two were both kind of underwhelming, but like they didn't really start to be like, meh, until the end, you know? Yeah, I disagree on that. Mid-season, season two,
0: ugh. Hey, man, at least we got to spend time with Girardi and Rios. Yeah, we had new characters that were exciting and fun. But unlike that, Bob, we got to keep digging up these old characters and throwing them back in front of our faces. We have to. Gotta keep digging them up, Matt. Speaking of which, we're talking about Picard,
1: Season 3, Episode 5, "Imposters," which originally aired on the 16th of March, 2023, as well as Copenhagen Cowboy, Episode 3, Dragon Palace. Matt, do you want to walk us through the A-plot of "Imposters"?
0: Sure, Bob. So an old enemy comes from the Intrepid to investigate Jack Crusher and bring news to Picard of a conspiracy at the highest levels of Starfleet. Indeed, and then in the B-plot, Wharf and Musiker embrace their
1: temporary status as criminal alphas after killing Sneed, which happened a couple of episodes
0: back. That's right, and then in the C-plot, Bob... You almost said B-plot, Matt, I heard it, you almost I said I almost it. did, almost slipped. In the C-plot, Bev Crusher does an autopsy on the Crashal Forge changeling killed last week and discovers that changelings are evolving. Dun, dun, dun. And then in the D-plot, yes, there is a
1: D-plot. Jack Crusher opens the red door on four changelings from the Intrepid,
0: who are disguised as security guards. Yes, Bob. You pretty much encompass the entire plot with those four uh, four major plot points. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Yeah, that's what they
1: pay me the big bucks for. So, uh... <laughs> Pretty early on, we, we've got a, a, a great line from Shaw to Riker, Picard, and Seven, which is, as a courtesy after the harrowing ordeal we survived together, I'm going to step outside and let you three get your bullshit story
0: straight. That's very nice. That was my favorite line from the episode, and I cannot wait to use that in real life at some point. Clear applicability, Matt. Clear applicability. Yeah. <laughs> so, Love it.
1: I didn't notice this in prior episodes, so I, I don't know if he had it on there or not. I, I guess he must have, but... Does it look like Worf's wearing like a Catholic priest collar?
0: Uh, it kind of does look like one. I'm thinking we are saving this his like confirmation and stuff for an IDW prequel comic, Bob. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe
1: Warf's uh, newfound emotional control and uh, sereneness, you know, has a has a Catholic component to it. You yeah. know, <laughs> uh, Speaking of interesting fashion choices, uh, you suppose uh, Misakir is a Dick Grayson fan? She's got the you know the dual short sticks like old
0: Nightwing. You mean the Escrima Sticks? <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, yeah, I guess that's how you say that.
1: Uh, huh.
0: It's. A, I imagine they're just like metal rods. I, I think that's what they're supposed to be. I, I don't know. Uh, like, maybe like kind of like police batons, but just cylindrical and metal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never seen them in real life, I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think I have either.
1: Although, I, I don't know. Maybe I did at a drug dealer's house once, but I don't, I don't <laughs> So... Look, this is like somewhat cheesy, but I was I was kind of amused to see Worf and Musiker like back in this place where they're handled by an AI chatbot for Starfleet Intelligence, kind of like Musiker was in earlier episodes. Although that's not really going to last because we're going to find out by the end of the episode that Worf knows who the AI ch- chatbot is. And so I, but I, I thought it was kind of amusing to have them both in that position, not seeming to know who their contact is. Yeah, but I mean, they did know, right? Like Worf did know, correct? Worf did know, and Musiker didn't did know, and right. I mean, who's to say it would even mean much to her, you know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it doesn't seem in the scene, it doesn't seem like Worf knew,
0: but we find out that he did. What did you think of the intrepid design, Matt? I'm not really a ship design kind of guy. Like, I'm never really like, oh, that that's the ship that you know. I really like this ship, or I can identify a ship by just looking at it. With the exception of you know. The Enterprises and you know, a couple of other bigger ones.
1: All the micro machines I had, Matt, and that you you
0: just can't you can't remember ships. Pretty much, yeah. I can remember the popular ones, not not like I can't say that's a such and such class ship. Not I don't have a clue. Yeah.
1: I, I don't think you can even remember the ambassador class. Very sad. Very sad.
0: Probably not, no. It's the Enterprise C, right? That is indeed the Enterprise C. Okay. Well I got that one. Okay. But I kinda but I couldn't tell you what it looks like. <laughs> i couldn't pull it from a lineup it it really does just look like the
1: halfway house between the constitution and the galaxy
0: but i will say that it did look extremely menacing in the shot when you had the intrepid and the titan kind of like right up front against each other
1: yeah yeah i'm
0: i'm much less of a ship design guy now than i was in my younger days when
1: i had all my star trek micro machines but i i I did think the intrepid design was kind of interesting because of like how close in the uh the saucer and the nacelles are I also, I think especially, like, in the early days of Discovery, and this is depressing, I think I was kind of bitter because I was like, oh, man, they're not lingering on the new ship designs enough. They're not giving me enough of a chance to see them, not like old Star Trek. And then I realized, no, I'm just, it's just hard for me to see shit now. Like,
0: they oh, is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they spent a lot of time lingering on the ship designs in old Star Trek either.
0: Okay. as was about to say, because the, 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 the new Discovery, like, I don't. They don't do that, but I think it's primarily because it's just CGI shit. So they will just, you know, eh. yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's not much more to see. Yeah, that's that's a good
1: point. That's a good point. But even with the models and like next gen and DS9, early DS9, because late DS9 is CGI, I don't think they're doing that much like lingering. Because you know, the the more you linger, the more fake the model looks, right? Exactly yeah yeah so we have shaw referencing various disasters uh that picard and Riker have been involved in and so he he definitely references uh, crashing the enterprise d saucer section in generations he references picard uh, to use a slightly offensive term going native in uh, the movie insurrection and then he references the devron system which i guess is a reference to the crisis and all good things but I was a little confused because I thought in the Crisis and All Good Things, the Devron System incident got erased from the timeline. Yeah, but do the people on the ship still remember it? I I don't think they would, but I, I, I you know, as it, good as All Good Things is, I was not compelled to rewatch
0: it to confirm or disconfirm this. And does the, the Picard write like a, a biography that explained all that shit or... <laughs>
1: the feeling my vague memory is it's not something it's one of those time travel things where nobody would remember okay especially because like q was involved right right yeah but i maybe i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong
0: i don't know but they, they really do cause a great deal of galaxy destroying shit bob you just have to admit that indeed there was recently a, a ship post uh, bob and i subscribed to several different ship posting message groups throughout social media indeed. and there, there was one concerning uh captain shaw being inept so for him calling out picard in them was kind of like uh you know hypocritical and man they went to town on this guy in the comments
1: yeah that's funny that's funny well i i if it's the group i'm thinking of there is like an ironic appreciation of like shaw and angelico for being like by the book commanders you know? yes yes
0: and that that was the whole comment section but i mean it went on for miles and it was yeah like that. yeah so that's good. Just, that's good. <laughs> oh, man. One thing I want to point out about that is that they continue to show Shaw's dislike of the Borg as being bigoted. And that you can't use trauma as an excuse to explain his bigotry. And that I thought, wow, that's actually kind of deep for ship shitposting. But <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts I, on that, Bob? Like, look, like...
1: I just think that entire framing is stupid. Like, so Shaw being an, an ass to Seven, I like, okay, we're given maybe some reason to believe that it's like bigotry. I don't know, it just seems to me that there's a big difference between your interpersonal attitude to an ex-Borg and your attitude about the Borg. Does that, does that make sense? That does make sense, yes. To, to be like bigoted against the Borg, full stop, uh, I, how possible
0: even is that? I mean, they're a they're a malevolent collective bent on exterminating you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just an interesting idea. I just thought, okay, I can kind of see their point, but at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't really add up correctly.
1: Yeah, like it would be messed up. Like for like, if you have like seven or any other random XB, XBorg for Shaw to be like an an ass about it, that would be messed up. But like, Picard's not any random X like it, they it is, gave him a goddamn name exactly exactly they gave him a goddamn name <laughs> like and so if, if people if people think Shaw still being bitter about Picard for being locutus is like bigotry I like grow up is all I, <laughs> I would say to
0: that <laughs> speaking of growing up Bob
1: uh, yeah, Matt. How, uh, how I'm gonna go ahead and swear? How fucking stoked were you to see Ro Rolaren?
0: I was extremely surprised because it had not been spoiled by the damn internet. I am yeah. like so thankful when this happens because it's such a rarity in this day and age for us to be surprised by something. And I don't even go looking for it anymore, Bob. And it still just pops up right in front of my face.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm luckier than you in that I I don't tend to run across that stuff as much. Yeah, I don't know. Rome also might be kind of perfectly positioned where. Her return does feel like a big, cool deal, but it's also, like, it's not like she's one of the original cast,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, if you were a fan of Next Gen and watched most of the episodes, you know who she is, and it's cool to see her back. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, you know,
1: definitely as this episode shows, like, she and Picard had a much more interesting relationship than, you know, Picard and most of the other crew, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did enjoy uh, Crash LaForge vomiting uh, as a way of uh, as a way of making a positive identification. That was pretty funny.
0: Well, like, at any point, though, were you afraid that the real LaForge was the one who was on the table? Like, when they cut the, they cut it, cut it her <laughs> open and there was blood, I was like, oh, shit. They got the—somehow yeah. the, the, the changeling switched up with the real one. Oh,
1: God. No, I, I, I wasn't, but I, I, I did like how they handled that, where if you'd forgotten that Seven shot the Crash LaForge changeling, then— yeah, you might be confused. I, I did appreciate how they handled that. Yeah, it was, it was kind of scary. I also really did enjoy the idea of a Vulcan crime lord. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty funny. Uh, his name is Krenn. He's played by Kirk Aceveda, who was one of the main characters on Oz, and I guess he's the lead on 12 Monkeys, is that right?
0: I think that's correct, yes. I've watched the first three episodes of 12 Monkeys now, and I'm just kind of on the fence about it. I wonder if it's one of those that like has to, you have to get later in, the, in a yeah. season for it to click. Yeah. That's the problem with most TV shows is that you have to get into like so many episodes before it really starts to get good. And I just, sometimes it's hard to get over that hump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I really like Aceveda, and I was, um,
1: I was very pleased to see him here.
0: Did you catch the uh, other names in Worf's phone book? Oh, I didn't. What were they? They were Brunt and Morn. Oh, that's funny. That's funny.
1: I, I would love a, uh, a good old Jeffrey Combs, uh, reappearance in Picard. That would be great. <laughs> Me too. That'd be awesome. We need a Brunt appearance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, I really do kind of identify with Picard practicing a foreign language for 30 years to own
0: someone he hates. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, that he thinks he may run into again. I mean, come on. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bob, I'm just wondering, is this some android bullshit? Like, maybe, like, he just has these languages programmed in his body. I, I'm just I, just throwing that out there. I don't, I
1: don't think so, right? Because we haven't really... I mean, you know, A, like, if you know, you could easily forget that he's an android. And, you know, I don't think that the... I can't remember the explanation they gave about it at the end of season one, but I I don't think we've ever really seen the android body, like, give him any cognitive or physical advantages other than, you know, just not dying at the end of season one. That's true. I'm just thinking that had to be programmed in somehow. There's no way he learned Bajoran. Maybe maybe that was his one request before (laughs) the the transfer at the end of season one. He's like, my Bajoran has always been wrong. Can you fix it?
0: (laughs) Speaking of Bajorans, Bob
1: yeah so i was a little i don't know the the bajoran earring violating the starfleet dress code thing that was always kind of weird and xenophobic so it's like on the one hand i respect that they're continuing like the debates that picard Riker, and roe had in her first appearance about that but on the other hand it was just like i don't know
0: if that's the best thing to be reminding people of yeah it's not it's not kind of weird and xenophobic it just flat out is and uh they let Worf wear his damn sash all the time why can't she wear her earring Yeah, which isn't even, like, a religious thing. It's like a... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very strange. I I, I don't know why. Where is the consistency, Next Generation? 30 years at this point? Yeah. Dig up your 30-year-old script, go back, and fix it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not even so offended
1: at it for, like, you know, woke reasons. I just think it's just a strange thing in that, I think, 1991 episode... To have like Ricard, uh, Ricard, to have (laughs) Riker giving Roe hell while Worf is standing in the background of the shot.
0: Like, it's just like, okay. (laughs) There you go. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. So Matt, I do have a very unpopular take. uh, Probably even more unpopular than uh, my uh, my denial of Borg bigotry or anti-Borg bigotry. uh, Which is, man, uh, Patrick Stewart and Michelle Forbes, they're really good at this acting thing, huh? I know a lot of
0: people don't agree with that. Yeah, they've been doing it their whole lives. That's the thing. I, Michelle Forbes has been in a lot of stuff that I didn't oh, know yeah. she was in. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. She's one of my favorites. But are you saying that they're good at acting in scenes together or just in general as a whole?
1: I, Look, like, I, I don't want to like disrespect anybody else on the show because everybody's doing a good job. But I, it's just another caliber when Patrick Stewart and Michelle Forbes are like acting off each other.
0: Yeah, Yeah, was a great
1: scene, especially the stuff in the holodeck. Yeah, yeah, that was that was very good. That was very good. So, uh, Matt, did you uh, have any thoughts or any surprise on Worf's worthy death at the hand of uh, Musiker?
0: I did not think Worf was going to die, Bob, especially not in that way. Uh, you could say that Worf and Musiker were faced with a no-win scenario, and they had to improvise. Groan. <laughs> I'm
1: just gonna keep moving. So, uh, Matt, are you hoping we see Admiral Janeway as a changeling? I would love to see Admiral Janeway as a changeling. I would love to learn that Prodigy is entirely the product of changeling meddling. That's what oh, I that I all. That they're all that they're all changelings. <laughs> yes, they're all the new changelings. Jeez, that's, uh, that's what the Star Wars protagonist, of Prodigy, is. He's actually just a changeling, the new, oh. the evolved changeling.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm just stoked that we're bringing in so many pieces from DS Nine and the Dominion War. That's getting me excited. I guess when you put it like
1: that, it does make your uh, your tinfoil hat theory that you've been pounding for three seasons now uh, that is going to show up more plausible. But I I don't know. I still don't feel like they're going to do that. Cisco's going to save the universe
0: with his prophet powers. He's, he's going to come out of that wormhole, baby. Going back to uh, Prodigy, Bob. Yeah, yeah. The, the weirdest thing about Prodigy, and, and this is kind of a four thing, but uh-huh. there's a video game of Nickelodeon characters that are like they fight each other and they also Uh they also do racing cars and stuff like that but it's all their different properties so it's like Kingdom Hearts for Nickelodeon or whatever well kind of no it's more like uh you know what Smash Brothers is for Nintendo like they have I've heard of it but I actually don't know what it is It's like all the different Nintendo properties they they get to fight so you fight so it's like like Kingdom Hearts Hearts for Nintendo Okay, Kingdom Hearts is not the correct one, and like anybody listening right now is ready to like choke you. So anyway, Isn't Kingdom Hearts is the one with all the Disney
1: and Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, but it's
0: an RPG. It's not the same idea. This is more like a fighting thing. It's like Marvel versus Capcom kind of stuff. But imagine they're all different. I, I don't know. You 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 fight in RPGs, and I yeah. presume yeah. you
1: role play yeah. in fight games. I'm not seeing the
0: difference. <laughs> Damn it, there are people ready to claw your eyes out now. Anyway, so... Let them come, Matt.
1: Let them yeah, come. Like, what you should say, Matt, is my prejudice against gamers is not excusable from my trauma from games.
0: So they, <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> I was there. So, I'm starting to think, and this is going to be so fucking weird, but when they mm-hmm. come up with the sequels to some of these games, which they mm-hmm. inevitably will, there will be characters from Prodigy in those games. And uh... that is going to be in, that is going to be the weirdest shit Like if they put in like Catherine Janeway as one of the fighters or, but they'll probably go with the more alien types, you know, the, 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 The kids, the kids. Yeah. But still, I'm just thinking yeah, the the rights for Janeway might be more complicated. Right. I'm just thinking that's going to be a weird ass thing.
1: That is interesting. Yeah. I did enjoy that Worf was unable to finish his exposition about the Kalis technique of faking death. That was very funny.
0: Yeah, find out how he practiced for years to slow his heart rate in the upcoming IDW comic. (laughs) Uh,
1: I did enjoy uh, Shaw's verdict uh, after Roe and Picard had their confrontation of fastest
0: court-martial I've ever seen. Yeah, that shit was quick. I mean, (laughs) it wasn't a real (laughs) court-martial. shaw's observant he is he is and i do
1: want to i do just want to give respect to michelle forbes so obviously you know roe dies this episode and just respect to michelle forbes for absolutely refusing to be in another star trek show
0: she's like nope, you get me back for one episode then you kill me i just think that adds to why i appreciate her appearance in this episode because sometimes you know less is better and in this case i think yeah what you you don't want to see her turn up as a shitty force ghost in the last Picard episode, Matt? No, Bob, and I don't want to see her in some fucking prequel where she's hanging out with Worf.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, IDW will let that happen, but yeah. you, won't, you won't see you won't see that in live action. Yeah. <laughs> so, were you kind of surprised that Worf knew his SI contact was Roe? I I'd have figured he would have taken her joining the Maquis even more
0: personal than uh, Picard did. So, Worf's a changed man, Bob, after all the ups and downs he's had throughout his life. You know, in Next Gen, DS9, the movies, I'm sure he forgave her. But I want you to check out the IDW prequel comic where we see this all play out. Ah, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you make a good point that this is supposed to be like Chill Worf. And so, yeah, Chill Worf isn't into holding grudges as much. You know, it'd be nice to see Chill Worf hanging out with Quark,
0: no? (laughs) All right, Bob, before we transition to Cowboy, I just want to take Uh a moment... To address the elephant in the room. Uh, what the fuck is up with Jack? I, section 31 programming. I don't know. <laughs> I read somewhere, Bob, that it could be a paw wraith. What are your thoughts on that? I guess it could be, yeah. That
1: seems... Because Yeah, I guess they did associate the paw wraiths with the color red, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it yeah. could be. It yeah, could be. some paw wraiths still, up in there. I still don't know if you necessarily would want to bring Cisco back for that, but yeah, okay. Throwing it in there. Keep dreaming, Matt. Keep dreaming. Let's move on to the cowboy show, Bob. All right. We're talking Copenhagen Cowboy, Episode 3, Dragon Palace. Matt, do you want to walk us through that A-plot?
0: So Mother Hulda employs Mew at the Dragon Palace and to use her miraculous powers to heal the migraines of Mr. Shang, the gangster Hulda is in debt, who has her daughter and forces her to feed corpses to pigs. Yes.
1: Yes. And then in the B plot, we see glimpses of the home life of Nicholas, <laughs> the killer of Simona, who chills with pigs and his parents. Towards the end of the episode, the two plot lines again collide in a negotiation instead of murder this time. So, Matt, did you feel like the camera was rotating and tracking a lot more uh, in this episode as, as compared to the two
0: previous? Yeah, lots of swinging around the sets, which was really creepy at times. So it, it was a good effect. Yeah, yeah, very, di- very disorienting, and yeah,
1: like, not actually, di- doesn't actually make you nauseous, but makes you feel like you might become nauseous, which I think is good, too.
0: So, Matt, have you ever considered using a mysterious Balkan girl to heal your migraines? No, but I was very thankful that Mew wasn't being turned into, like, a fighter, which is what I thought they were going for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought maybe she was just being flung into, you know, another pit of hell after, you know, having to deal with the, the brothel. I mean, yeah. they took they took pictures of her, and then she was made over in that weird scene where Nicholas is staring at the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. It, it was just all too similar to the whole brothel thing, so I got I got worried for her. But then when she was there to fix the dude's migraine, I was like, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did do a very good job of like sort of paralleling Rosella and Mother Hulda as like two different like kind of female mentor figures for Mew. And then, like, you you think, like, Mother Hulda might be evil, but, like, yeah, by the end of this episode, you don't really see any reason to believe
0: that, right? So, Matt, have you ever slept for 18 hours? Bob, uh, if I ever slept for 18 hours straight, uh, I don't think so. Not unless I was, like, really sick. Uh, I sleep more than the average person, but anything above 12 hours is, like, pushing it. Yeah, I, I will I, say that this dude getting his migraines fixed and then sleeping at a bar for a 18 hours straight, that's insane. That'd be very uncomfortable. Presumably he's deeply, deeply sleep deprived and has a lot <laughs> to make up for.
1: That is is—that is pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. So does uh, Mother Holda's practices of uh, smoking while she's cooking and chainsawing corpses, does it make you want to smoke?
0: It makes me want to smoke. Not really, Bob. I'm not a big smoker, but what kind of health score do you think this place gets? Like you've got dead bodies wrapped in plastic on the dining room floor. You got barefoot dudes having metal procedures on the table. You got the cook smoking while cooking. That, that's the least of my worries. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I feel like Chang and Mother to intimidate the uh, the health inspectors sufficient that they get an okay score. Yeah I, yeah, I could see that. I guess if you do walk in, you got dead bodies on the floor, you're probably just gonna turn around and go away. Yep, yep, A plus. <laughs> Moving on.
1: <laughs> were you surprised that uh nicholas's father michael had a religious speech that climaxed in being about his cock
0: so sadly bob i was surprised by the the, the prick comment at the end but i yeah. was not really that surprised by its ties to religion into the bloodlust it kind of goes hand in
1: hand <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah
1: and uh any any speculations on uh what was in the gift box that nicholas impaled with the scissors that his mother bet gave him
0: so it's meant to represent the boy's frustration. You know, we know that no regular gift would calm him down, so his parents provide him with the opportunity to murder something. Uh, does the father bring some uh, whatever living thing was in that box? The mother hands him the scissors? I'm guessing it was a hamster.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. My, my reading is maybe a little more sinister. It's just that it's bet like, got him the hamster or the cat or whatever the kitten or whatever to sincerely hoping that he would like it because you know we see him chilling with the pigs yeah but then he then he stabs it to death and she's just you know she's so into like feeding all of his whims and desires that she thinks that's funny too yeah
0: yeah Yeah, it's (laughs) they just had a good old laugh at the table while dead animals inside the box yeah yeah you know, we see uh, we see first Bet
1: and then later Michael negotiating with Mother Hulda at the end of this episode over Mother Hulda has brought Mew to their estate and she's trying to buy a pig. And uh, something Bet keeps saying is if you want a good pig, then you have to pay. That's something my late grandfather would have said, which is ironic because he liked pigs but never paid for them. They just wandered up to him. But anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to shout out to my late grandfather.
0: God rest his soul. Yeah,
1: good man, good man. So, are you uh, happy that you learned uh, uh, the Danish word, Vagna, uh, from Michael (laughs) during uh, Mother Holder's negotiations with them?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, okay, you got to help me out here, Bob. Am I supposed to get that Michael and his wife negotiated sex to bring down the price of the pig to 5,000 kroner? I think they're offering sex to Mother Holder. As
1: an additional incentive for the high price, but she doesn't go for it, is how I took it.
0: Okay. I couldn't figure it. It uh, also, is it alluded that Michael and his son are vampires because of that casket that was in the, that Mew was wandering around? She finds a casket? That could be the deal with the casket, but it could be something else. Okay. I, I just don't, I'm trying to understand these people. They're very freaky. Uh, yeah. just, I, I don't quite get it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think you're just supposed to take them as like a a pretty creepy rich family. Like okay. k- kinda like the equivalent of if you go to like a broken down like southern manor or a broken down like northern manor, right? And you got the you got the reclusive family that's rich but doesn't see many people and is a little too obsessed with itself. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: been there before. Not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Um, and I, I guess the moment where we really know that Mother Hulda is uh, probably a good person, you know, you, who, who knows what happens in episode four through six. But, you know, uh, she brings Mew to the Nicholas's estate and we see Mew wandering around why Hulda is negotiating. And she sees Simona's ghost on the estate and she tells Mother Hulda about it. And Mother Hulda offers to return with her. And so I, I think that's supposed to be the moment where we're really for sure. It's like, OK, Mother Hulda like, you know, she's
0: here to help Mew. Right, yeah. And the whole Simona's ghost thing, I mean, I think it's supposed to bring Mew into a confrontation with Nicholas at some point, since Nicholas is the one who murdered Simona.
1: Yeah, and we, I don't think we knew this before, but we kind of learn here. It's like, okay, the, it wasn't just a random pig house, but it was like, or a, whatever you call barn, whatever you call yeah. it. But it was like the barn on the estate. That's why right. Simona's ghost is around. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt. So, uh, as is traditional, uh, what Picard character should be on Copenhagen Cowboy this week and vice versa? I want to
0: see how Beverly would cure migraines and you would have performed the autopsy. These are important questions. These are yes. important questions. I also would want to see how Worf would handle negotiations for the pig because he could have said something about his two dicks. That that really would have got uh, Bet
1: going, I bet, if he brought up the two dicks. If he'd just been unimpressed by Michael's talk of his cock and be like, have you ever seen a second one?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bob?
1: Uh, I think it would be really amusing to see how uh, Mother Hulda would deal with a Changeling conspiracy, and it would also be really amusing to see how Roe would run the Dragon Palace. Nice. So, Matt, who was your character of the week? Well, it was obviously Roe. I mean, yeah,
0: hands down. Clearly. Yeah. No, no argument there. No argument there. And then for episode of the week, Matt? Yeah, gotta give it to imposters, Bob. Picard, season three, it's looking good. Yeah, yeah. Imposters really good, man. I, I'm gonna give it to the Dragon Palace just
1: because uh, Nicholas and Michael's creepy scenes I, I find like really compelling, Re- deeply unsettling, but really compelling. I kind of think this would have been better if we compared Picard season two to Copenhagen Cowboy because the point was like supposed to be one was going to be terrible and the other was going to be weird. <laughs> but if one is, and but if one is, one is good and then one is good and weird, I don't know. Just the comparison doesn't work as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's still fun, Bob. But they're, they're both good shows to watch, so if you're yeah. listening to this, watch them both, please. They're, they're watch them both. Watch, them both. watch them both. Yeah, <laughs> 2023,
1: not a, not a bad year in television at all so far. All right, so this has been Uncanny Treks talking Star Trek Picard and Copenhagen Cowboy. We'll see you in a week to talk uh, Star Trek Picard and in two weeks to talk Star Trek Picard and Copenhagen Cowboy. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening.